Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, we are back in week three of our sermon series called The Wilderness. And the Bible speaks both fondly and extensively about the wilderness experience of people like Jesus or Israel or Elijah or Hosea or David. So many other people who have all been in the wilderness. Sometimes God led them there. Sometimes they went there on their own. But many times great things happened to them when they were in the wilderness. Maybe you've been in the wilderness. Maybe you're currently are in the wilderness. And it feels like a place of danger, like there's trouble in your life. There's a hazard or a place where you feel lonely or lost or you feel scarcity because you can't just go over here and get something off the shelf. It's the wilderness. And it's in the wilderness where we are squeezed, where we are pressed in from every side. How many guys have ever watched a TV series called Alone? It's about an individual who goes out and they have to survive in the wilderness all alone for 100 days. And there's like maybe 10 or 15 people being dropped off at different locations miles and miles away from each other. And they have to survive on their own, on the land, with whatever they have on them for 100 days. And it's, it's an incredible thing to realize. What they say is they've never been so tested in all their life. They can't blame anybody when they leave the axe out and they can't find it. They can't blame anybody when their animal cache of meat is up high that they put up high and so nobody, that the wolverines and everybody else couldn't get to it. And then they left the ladder so the animal could climb up and have a feast. You see, there's no room for blaming. There's no room for all these excuses because you're all alone. And that's what it's like when you feel in the wilderness. You feel alone. But something happens in that process. You become transformed. It happens to our military. They get common soldiers who show the potential to becoming an elite soldier. And what they do is they take them to the most bizarre places of wilderness, to the highest mountain, to the, to the hottest deserts, to the coldest environments, you to the swamps. They take those soldiers to all those places for long extended periods of time, to little to no food. And when they get out of that training, in those environments... They come out as the special, most elite warriors the world has ever seen. Where'd that happen? In the wilderness. Anybody here been to the wilderness? Oh, yeah. If you haven't, I pray the Lord bless you. Well, today I want us to look together at a story of a guy named Elijah. 
as we learn how to listen when we're in the wilderness. How many know that sometimes one of the hardest things to do is to hear the voice of God? I'm raising my hand. If I'm the only one in the room, forgive me, I'm sorry, I'm a bad Christian. Sometimes it's hard. For a lot of different reasons. And we're going to study and see what we can learn from Elijah and, and why sometimes it can be hard and other times we don't have to do anything and the Lord's just showing Himself strong. So if you have a Bible and you want to turn to 1 Kings chapter 19, we'll start at verse 9. Now, at this point in history, a little backstory: Elijah had just finished that challenge at Mount Carmel with 450 prophets of Baal, and we'll find out whose God is a real, real God. Remember, Baal is a pagan god, and, and he doesn't exist. It's just a figment of their imagination. Obviously, fire from heaven comes down and, and, and shows himself strong. He goes from the Mount Carmel experience... Then he goes out, and he's up on this high hill, and he's telling the servant, keep running back and forth, and let me know when you see any clouds out over the sea. And finally, he sees a small hand of, of a man's fist, and he sees a cloud that big, of the size of a man's fist. And he says, run, because you're going to get wet. And the, and the famine hits, is over. The rain comes. And then comes word to Elijah, that some mean, reckless, evil woman named Jezebel. I mean, just what a horrible name. Whatever you do, don't name your kid, your daughter, Jezebel. Bad idea. And she says, I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow. And he takes off running for his life because he literally believes he's the only prophet, the only man of God left in all of Israel. So we pick up here in verse 9. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. He's going, going, going. He finally finds a place as he's running from Jezebel and he finds a cave to sleep in. But the Lord said to him, maybe you've had that happen. You, you try to go to bed and then God won't let you. Ever have that happen? You go to bed and you wake up and you try to go back to sleep and you keep waking up and you finally go, okay, what do you want, Lord? Well, this is what's going on. He came to a cave where he spent the night, but the Lord said to him, what are you doing here? And Elijah replied, and to hear this, he created a narrative. He had talking points. I have, jealous, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, tore down your altars, have killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. You think I'm making up, but you're going to find out in just a second. That's not the first time he says that to God. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out 
and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Ready for the narrative? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, tore down your altars, killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Have you ever been in that place? Where you've been so done wrong, you've been falsely accused, you've been taken advantage of, and you are so broken, you are so messed up on the inside that you now have created a narrative that anybody says, how are you today, Marv? You go, and everybody goes, oh, I I didn't mean that. I will never ask how you're doing ever again. Why? Why is he like this? This is a unique and fascinating story of God speaking to someone. Now, it's important to understand that the way and the manner in which God spoke to Elijah is not always the way God will speak to me or speak to you. He might, but not necessarily. Why? He's sovereign. He does things his way, not Marvin's way, not your way. And here's the hard thing about God speaking. We often don't hear His voice as clear as we hear those around us. So we have to learn to discern. We have to learn to not look at the wind. We have to learn, don't look at the fire. Don't look at the earthquake. Don't look at all this other stuff. Just get away from all the distraction. Get calm. Get away. And you'll hear that whisper. Now, if you were here for week two, we talked a little bit about David and how he had patience when it came to his his anointing, to his calling to become the next king of Israel. Saul was trying to kill him. He's in the cave, ready. He's defecating. And during that point in time, while he's relieving himself, David, who was farther back in the cave, could have literally taken him out. And then another time, while he's sleeping in a circle, surrounded by an army, David and his buddies, they they came creeping in while everybody fell asleep and got right up to where his spear was by his head. And both times, his men are telling David, Hey, David, this is God. Can't you see the hand of God? Kill him. I'll do it. I'll only have to put that spear through his heart one time. And David said, no. His will, his way, his time. And David said, no. Patience. Patience. I believe when it comes to discerning God's voice, we have to gain intimacy. David could hear God's voice. Even when the circumstances said do one thing, he was able to do another thing because he was so intimate with God that David could say, that's not what God's saying. I know what the circumstances say, but that's, I spend so much time with God, I know he's telling me no. Matter of fact, I'm embarrassed I cut the robe of the king. Because in attacking the king, even by cutting off part of his garment, in essence, is like attacking God. Because God put him in office. 
David was able to persevere in patience because he was in deep relationship with God. I believe if we want to be able to hear God, we need to be in deep relationship with Him. But before we can even talk about how to discern God's voice, we need to understand what discernment actually is. So some of the different definitions speak of discernment this way, to judge well. Discernment meaning with the goal of obtaining and maintaining spiritual guidance and understanding. You see, discernment has to do with separating different things, in this case, different voices into different categories. As we grow closer to our Lord, we'll learn to discern voices. Let me read out of John chapter 10. We, we need to trust the reality of what Jesus shares here in John 10. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. And later in verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. You see, the goal of Elijah in the wilderness is the same goal for many of us today. Guidance. Guidance. God, I don't know where, I don't know what, I don't know how to do or not do. I don't know what my next step is. Father God, I need your guidance. What do we do when we need guidance from God? I believe we must first run back to His Word. If you want to know what God says on a subject, I'll guarantee you it's in the Word of God. And some of you say, well, I just don't know the Bible well enough. Then read it more. Pastor, that's rude. No, it's not. It's actually loving. There's over 400 different characters in the Bible, great leaders we can learn from. There's so much wealth of wisdom that if you were to study the Word of God every single day, it wouldn't take very long before all of a sudden when you face something, you immediately can go to a story in the Bible. You immediately can see where God's pointing to, to show you a revelation about what He thinks and what He wants you to know about your situation right here, right now. Let me share with you a little story because God will use people to speak to you. He'll use the Word of God. He'll use people. I've had people give me a prophetic word and other times give me a pathetic word. Okay? How do I know which one is prophetic and which one's pathetic? Does it line up with the word of God? It's the alignment. One time when I was in Grass Valley and I was pastoring and, and, I, and I had preached a pretty hard sermon that day and this gal... Um, she wasn't real faithful in attendance, and I could tell the, that there was a conviction coming upon her. And I just prayed, God, peace, and God, do what you need to do. But after service, she came up and wanted to give me a word from the Lord. And I'm like, whoa, okay. And she started giving me this word, and it sounded really good because she knew how to speak partial Christianese. But then she told me, and in this, the Lord showed me that this tree had two different kinds of fruit on it. And I backed up, 
I said, are you sure you want to say that? Yes. There was a tree, and it had two different kinds of fruit on it. I said, then I need to stop you right where you're at. And I need you to not speak anymore. I said, I'm sorry, but if you're telling me that there is a tree that has two different kinds of fruit, it does not line up with the Word of God according to James. The book of James says, you can't have coming out of the same spigot salt and fresh water. And you, out of one tree, you can't have two different kinds of fruit. So I have to tell you, you've got to stop. That's not easy, is it? Do you see the discernment? It was easy for me to know that this wasn't of God. Why? Didn't line up with the Bible. And I asked her, do you still want, are you really saying that? Do you really want to say that? And she did. So you just got to study the word. Make it a priority every day. Are the things you're listening to from family, from friends that are really close to you especially, are they lining up with the Word of God? Sometimes we have family and friends that will tell us things that are not what the Word of God says. And they'll always say, God understands Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's okay to go have adultery. God knows that you really should have been with that guy, not this guy. Is that what the Bible says? We, we need to fix something. Something's broken. And God has an answer. He's the way maker. He's the miracle worker. He can fix things that are so impossibly broken, nobody could fix except Him. There's hope in Him. The more we read, the more we understand God, the easier it is to discern which voices are pushing toward godly things and I'm convinced that many, most of the time, a prophetic word from someone else comes because you, they come really nothing more than as a confirmation of what God's already been telling you. So when somebody lays hands on you and they pray for you, most of the time, that should not come to you as a surprise. Most of the time, God's already been showing you that. He's been revealing that maybe from reading, or maybe just through other family or friends, you, you already kind of like see something going, and then all of a sudden, the word comes from, a prophetic word comes, and all of a sudden, you're like, yeah, that's a confirmation in my heart. God's already been showing me that. You see that? It's not typically coming out of left field or completely bizarre to us. Some people ask about, how do you know the voice of God? And, and it's funny, there's a movie put together, animated movie, it was called um, The Prince of Egypt. 
And so they were trying to figure out when they were going to do the, the scene where, where God speaks to the fiery bush that doesn't go on fire, right? It's just all this big fire. And they're like, how, how, how they do? So they actually went to a bunch of rabbis, got the best rabbis they know, and they asked them all. And you know what the conclusion was? The rabbi said, many times that voice sounds like your own voice, but it, you know it's not your thoughts. I thought that was interesting. You want to know what? It's really true. When you sense the Spirit of God speaking to you, when you sense God's talking to you, it's not like, you know, James Earl Jones. So saith the Lord. It, it sounds like you. The difference is, you know it's not your thought. Why? Because God a lot of times will tell you, you need to go forgive so-and-so. Or you need to go do something you would never do on your own. Like, no way, God, I am not doing that. Go away. And he won't. Because he loves you. He loves you. See, now, once we learn how to discern God's voice above the noise, we, we must get to the point where we're actually can listen to what God has to say to us. And this may not be an audible voice from the sky as we hear Elijah there in the cave, but nonetheless, I believe God is speaking. And in order for us to listen, there seems to be two requirements. One of them is a reception. We've got to be tuned in to the frequency of God. Okay? Now, I was just speaking with Frank this morning, and Frank shared with me how he loves his devotions. He gets out, he life journals, he has all these devotional books, and he just pours into it every single morning. But he went camping last week for a few days, and he left all that stuff at home. He was usually, that's what I do every single day. He says, why? And I go, why? He goes, because I'm too distracted. I just want to get away, and all I want to do is I just want to just be in his presence. All I want to do is just worship him. All I want to do is hear God. He caught it. You know, sometimes my Christian books and my commentaries and lexicons and all that stuff, they're great, but put them aside. and Just get on your knees and on your face before God. Sometimes all God wants is you. Just you. Kind of like your kids, Dad. Remember when you would come home from work, all tired, and that little guy, that little gal come up, and what do they want? They didn't want your money. Uppy, Daddy, uppy. They just want you to hold them, pick them up, throw them in the air, play with them, wrestle with them. They just want you. Why do you think that is? Because God made you in the image of God, and that's exactly how it is with God. And God says, I just want you to be like a little child. Have the faith of a child and come be with your Heavenly Father. Have you ever experienced a time when either you or someone you knew was just not paying attention? I mean, that's happened to me. My wife is talking to me, and I'm watching TV. It just happened yesterday. I was watching this show, and I was trying to watch this one little scene, and 
as soon as it was getting to that scene, she would ask me a question. I'm like, oh, team, lost it. Four times I couldn't get through the scene. It's like, what's wrong with her? The truth is, is I just need to turn the stupid thing off and listen to her. And listen to her. It's easy to be so distracted with things that we don't hear the voice of God. So distracted with the problems in Marvin's life, in your life. And by the way, they're real problems. And if you ignore them, they ain't going away. But in all of that, when I push away from that so I can just do this, then all of a sudden this big, huge table begins to look a whole lot smaller because I know how big He is. And I can hear Him. You know, all I need is one good word from God can save me ten stupid years of not listening to God. Ever make a decision that cost you ten years? Hello? Man, I'm all alone today. I don't know. Let's revert Hebrews chapter 12. We don't know who the author is of Hebrews. But in verse 1 it says, Therefore, since you are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. That's speaking about all these incredible generals of faith. The men and the women of God throughout the ages. It says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. What's that mean? Anything that burdens you, all of Marvin's worries, all my cares, I'm so messed up, oh, my life is in a pit. What's it say right there? Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. God knows that there are certain things that will slow us down. A secret sin. God knows what will slow us down. The whining, the murmuring, the complaining. You want to know the worst murmuring and complaining there is? The one you don't speak out loud to everybody else, but it's in there. Did you know everybody can smell that? You know everybody can see that on you? Have you ever seen that person that you, you go, oh, I don't want to talk with them? Why? Because they're going to give me. They all sin. They know I'm the last, I, I'm the last prophet in Israel. Got a narrative, just like Elijah. In this, it's a story of Elijah. Part of his learning on how to listen, how to receive God's word, was learning where, learning what, learning who God would speak through. We've already talked about the importance of discerning, discernment. Elijah witnessed many places that God would have spoken and could have spoken. God could have spoken through that massive wind. God could have spoke through the fire. God could have spoke through the earthquake. 
But God chose to speak in a way that was not common. And he felt uncomfortable that he put the cloak over himself because God spoke in a whisper. Sometimes it's big. But I'll tell you, folks, looks like some of you lived a little bit of life. How many know when you first got saved, God was big in everything? And after a few years, all of a sudden, the voice of God seemed to go, Whoop! Why? Mature up. You ain't a pup no more. God speaks in mature ways to mature children of God. We have to be focused on that. He won't let me be a kid anymore. He wants me to grow up. Spend time in His Word. So I'm allured in. Now we just read this, but I'm going to go again. At 1 Kings 11 and 12, uh, chapter 19. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. He told him, go out. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. These weren't little rocks. These were big rocks. But the Lord was not in the wind, and the wind was not in the earthquake. But the Lord was, and the Lord was, excuse me, after the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire there was a sound of a gentle whisper. Maybe you haven't heard God yet, folks. Because you've been searching for him in the wrong places. I don't know, is it prescription meds? I don't know, is it in places that you shouldn't be? Maybe there are things hindering or distracting you from receiving. Maybe it's as simple as scheduling time to just be with the Father. Do you know that Sunday is just not enough for your Christian faith to survive. It's just not. One of the most important lessons we've learned during our time in the wilderness is this. When all is stripped away and we feel at our most vulnerable is when we are most ready to receive. Think about it. Have you ever been out in the forest camping and you look up into the night sky and it's overwhelming how beautiful the stars are and how many they are? As long as you get away from all the, they call it light pollution, the city lights, and you get away from all the smog and you get far away up and all of a sudden you're there at a campfire and you even walk away from the campfire and you just lay back and you're looking up and you're like, I can't believe it. I can touch those. They look so big and real. It's incredible. Why? I got away from the distractions. Those stars are right there, but I can't see them in the city because there's light pollution. But they're there, right there, and same here. What's the difference? Why can I see them here? Because there's nothing but the wilderness. And it's clear. I got away from the distraction. I got away from the pollution that's polluting my soul, my heart. And all of a sudden, show me your will, show me your way, show me your timing, God. And He will. 
The other key factor in listening well in the wilderness is our response. It's so interesting when Elijah goes and responds to the hearing of the Lord's voice to that still, quiet whisper. Verse 13, when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Remember, he had already been told to do this. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? In order to listen well, in this instance, what God required Elijah was action. Get away from being deep in the cave. Come outside here to the mountain and be with me. Come over here. Be with me. Get away from the bar. Come over here. Be with me. Get away from that relationship. You know it's not good for you. Come over here. Be with me. Get away from this place. Come over here. See how the Lord is? He needed to move. But the key is that Elijah had placed his faith and his trust in God alone because God cares and loves him. There will be many seasons when God will call us from our current place of comfort to a place that's incredibly uncomfortable. We will feel all alone in a hazardous environment, scared, scarcity in our life. But it's that place that's literally, it's sacred. Why? Because it's there that God does this incredible transformation in us so He can do that through us. You know, we all have, you know, we all may have a spouse, a family member, a friend, a leader in our life that we love and that we trust. But the truth is, any one of those very, very special people in our lives will let us down. They will drop us. They will hurt us. A husband, a wife, a child, a father, a mother, a brother, a sister, a best friend since kindergarten. As much, and they won't even mean to. And you know they love you even now. Now here's the good news. He will never leave us or forsake us. And He will not do, even those who are loving and kind and close to us, could do or have done to us. He's there for you. You catch that? He's there to guide us. One of the beautiful things about gathering together every week for church is the intentional time and space where we come to connect with God and to connect with one another. To come and to pray for one another. In the book of Hosea, God says something incredibly important about the wilderness through this prophet. It says in chapter 2, verse 14, Therefore, behold, this is God speaking, Therefore, 
Behold, I allure her. Her is a pronoun referring to Israel. Do you know that today many theologians would refer to us, the church, as God's new Israel? Okay? So let's make it modern day New Testament. We could put ourselves here. Therefore God, therefore behold, I will allure her, the church, you. We'll bring her into the wilderness. What? I don't want to go to the wilderness. And God says, oh yeah, we're going to go to the wilderness. Come on. You're going to love it. Why? And speak, speak comfort to her. How many know when you're in that place in the wilderness, what you need isn't instructions for everything you did wrong. How many know when you did something wrong, I don't need to be reminded of what I did wrong. I got that part figured out. Want to know what I really need? I need somebody to come up and say, we're going to make this. You ain't alone. We got this together. You got that? We're going to do this together. We're going to figure this out. Together. Words of comfort. You're not alone. We got this. Grab my hand. Let's pray together. But I, but I, yeah, we know. We're past that part. Let's do this together. That's what the Lord's promising us. I don't care how bad it's been. I don't care whatever the enemy's throwing at us. If we're in the wilderness, we can be encouraged and lifted up that God's going to comfort us and transform us. Will you pray with me? Father, we love you. Lord, sometimes the wilderness can seem like it's, it's more than just a, a few weeks. Lord, if we're honest, there are some folks who've been in the wilderness for decades. It's been hard because of family members, adult children. It's just not right. Something's just not right. We feel alone. We feel the scarcity in this relationship. God, we need something to be transformed. And God, I pray today, on Father's Day, that you would speak words of comfort to us. That greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world or in this wilderness. That no weapon formed against your people shall prosper. That the name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous go in and find refuge from the wilderness. God, we get transformed in the wilderness. God, help us not to curse the wilderness. Help us to be comforted that you were there surrounding us in the wilderness. Have your will. Have your way in your time. And may my story be a testimony of your goodness, of your grace, 
of your mercy. Bless your people and bless dad. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.